Hi, and welcome to the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. I'm your host, editor Madhuri Krishnan. I'm joined again today by my friend and colleague, Ned Russell, who covers airlines for Airline Weekly and Skift. Today, we discuss South African Airways' new plans as it emerges from an 18-month hiatus, what's going on with Aeroflot, and what's happening in the Nordics. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey there, Ned. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Madhuri? Good, good. And before we get started on today's episode, and we have a lot to get to today, um, I just want to remind all our viewers and all our listeners, rather, Ned and I are actually looking at each other on Zoom, so that's why I said viewers. So forgive me. I want to, uh, I want to um, remind all our listeners that you can reach me at mu at skiff.com and Ned at er at skiff.com. If you have any feedback about this episode or any other episode or anything at all, really, just drop us a line. So, Ned, uh, let's just get into it. Um, you just wrote a story about South African Airways emerging from its 18-month pandemic hiatus. So um, how what's it looking like as it uh, emerges from both bankruptcy and hiatus? So it's going to be – it's not going to be your uh, your your uncle's South African Airways um, or really the South African Airways I flew a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, the airline is relaunching with just six routes, uh, one domestic Joburg, Cape Town, which is, mm-hmm. of course, the busiest domestic route in, in South Africa, and then five regional routes in, in Southern Africa. Oh, it is a, it's going to be a fraction of itself uh, when, it, when it comes back. But the, um, the South African's interim CEO, Thomas Kugokolo, and I'm sorry if I've butchered that last name, uh, he's coming back, you know, talked about the relaunch and said, you know, they picked the routes based on what looked like strong load factors and yields. And, and they, they're really seeing it as an opportunity to, uh, to test some, some of the new markets. And, you know, they, he said this is not 100% risk free, but it gives us an opportunity to test. So it's, it's going to be an interesting relaunch because it's, you know, 18 months is a long time to be out of, out of, out of uh, commission. So, yeah. Well, I mean, 18 months, but also South Africa, I mean, just domestically, was racked by several waves, devastating waves of of, of COVID. And I mean, we were just talking before that we start hit record. I mean, now a new variant has emerged. A new variant of the coronavirus has emerged in all of South Africa's um, provinces. And it's still to be determined if it's more infectious or more dangerous or evades vaccines. So it's been a rough run for the country, but it's also, I mean, South African airways problems predate the pandemic, right, Ned? Oh, absolutely. You know, South African entered the the country's uh, version of, of sort of bankruptcy restructuring, which is is called uh, business, um, business rescue in December 2019. So, so really three months before the pandemic hit hard. And that followed years of South African airways struggling along. You know, we, they've, you know, like Alitalia in Italy, mm-hmm. they've long been sort of uh, <laughs> the butt of many airline industry jokes for their government support and just inability to, to turn a profit. Um, even and just during mismanagement, the... right? I mean, there's been a lot of um, a succession of, of managers of South Africa that have either faced court or have been ousted for various reasons. So it's just, it's been kind of a mess for a long time. Really? Uh, absolutely. So, you know, there's hope that, that through this restructuring process, uh, the interim CEO was saying it was really to create a viable, sustainable national carrier. It's really hard to say if they've, if they've succeeded at that at this point, the presentation is presentation to the par- parliamentary committee, you know, focused on, you know, they've, they've, dramatically cut their their 
staff, they cut staff to about a fifth of where they were prior to their restructuring. You know, they've reduced debt, they've renegotiated all their leases, so they're on power by the hour agreement, so they only pay if, if the time the planes fly. But of course, fundamentally, it's it's <laughs> if the airline continues to be mismanaged, it's not going to to turn a profit or become a successful or, as the NRMCO put, a viable and sustainable carrier. So there's still a lot of questions around around the airline's restructuring. Well, you you listened to the parliamentary testimony, and uh, did did South Africans say anything about its fleet and fleet plans? So they didn't say in specifics. The they mentioned the power by the hour agreements, which will initially be in place. But he did say that those are short term plans and long, medium to long term. They they plan for a fleet quote-unquote fleet reconfiguration. Now, what that means, he didn't specify, but the implication was it could look at new aircraft types. Uh, he said, we need to have the kind of equipment to support a sustainable airline uh, based on demand. So that could be new aircraft types in the future. Now, it's it's sort of hard to imagine an airline that just received uh, 10.5 billion rand in government aid, which is about $760 million, has the money to go out and order new aircraft types at this point. But it's, you know, he's right. If to build a sustainable carrier, you have to have the, the right planes to meet the demand. So, right. yeah, there's a lot of questions there. And arguably one one aircraft they had that did not work for them was the uh, the A340 that they operated on the route from, uh, what was it, Cape Town to Washington, the, the tech stop in Dakar? <laughs> I don't know the last time they flew Cape Town, Washington. It was a Joburg. 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 Right. I yeah. Right. So, you know, the A340, I think the A340s are gone. The relaunch is only going to have A320s and A330s. He oh. didn't mention that, but I looked, uh, looked at their schedules and there's only those two aircraft types mentioned. They did lease some A350s sort of at, at, just before the restructuring in 2019. And, and those might be, you know, good aircraft for them in the future. Like you said, replace those A340s, but still have the range to fly Joburg, New York nonstop. And he also mentioned there's going to be a, a route, net, route map rejig. South African was very focused on its Joburg hub prior to its restructuring. And one of the things that we've found coming out of the crisis is just, you know, Airlines with point-to-point maps that target leisure destinations really are performing the best in the recovery. This is globally speaking. You know, we've seen Avianca in South Africa, which is coming out of its South own America. bankruptcy. Yes, South America. Uh, Freudian slip there. Uh, it's coming out of its own bankruptcy restructuring. They just announced 20-plus uh, new routes, and they, a lot of those focused on point-to-point services bypassing their Bogota hub. Interesting. So it really makes me wonder if South African, uh, when they talk about sort of a route map rejig, could could start to add some point-to-point services that bypass Joburg. Uh, whether those are regional or long-haul international remains to be seen. But it, it's the management is saying the right things. But like you said, mismanagement in the past has has really uh, you know hurt the carrier, and we don't know if that's gonna if that's uh, going to ha- not going to happen again. It's uh, it's tough to say. You know, it's always it's interesting. I mean, just cast your mind back several years, Ned, and and to our listeners. I mean, there 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 were um, Africa's an enormous continent. Uh, you know, absolutely, absolutely enormous, with um, with poor uh, surface transportation links between. Not just the whole continent, but within regions of the continent, uh, it just seems like the perfect. It's always seemed like the perfect place for um, for the next sort of aviation revolution, and it's got a, you know more than a billion people, um, and an emerging middle class in several countries like um, you know South Africa, Nigeria, um, 
and it's and it's just always seemed like the next thing. And and if you think back a few years, I mean, South African and Kenyan, Kenya were air, airways were considered sort of like they were they were always thought to be the next breakout airlines, right? Regional and and but both are suffering right now. <laughs> I mean, the only breakout airline that I really think of in Africa in Africa today is Ethiopia. Exactly, airlines. and it's, that's that's really yeah. the st- the standout in the continent, and has and provided enormous amount of uh, uh, regional connectivity uh, from its hub in Addis. But uh, it's it's just it's always puzzling to me why South African and, and Kenyan both like f- both from you know middle income com- countries with with enormous natural resources and just have never been able to get their acts together. Yeah. I mean, South African, like you said, I don't, the mismanagement, I think really is what hurt the carrier. You know, a lot of um, government (laughs) political uh, sort of um, uh, political Political interests. A lot of people have irons in the fire, right? I can't say... (laughs) Right. I can't say the same about Kenya Airways. I don't know them as well, but South African has really been hampered by that. You know, one interesting part of the restructuring plan that I was re- that that was talked about today is is the the search for an equity partner. Mm-hmm. Now, there's um uh Takatsu consortium uh, has expressed interest in a 51% stake. You know, this isn't being handled by the airline itself, but by the government is working on, you know, the government owned South African Airways. But they uh, finished their due diligence of SAA uh, on August 26th and found no material issues. You know, whether that happens uh, remains to be seen. But it would be interesting because uh, the, you know, the consortium includes a company called Global Airways, which owns a new South African uh, startup carrier, hmm. uh, Play, not Play, um, Lyft Airlines. Right. So, you know, there's still a lot of irons in the fire moving about. Uh, but, you know, with new management, private management, there's I, I think that could, you know, be very good for South African at this point. Uh, will, like I said, it remains to be seen. He didn't speak. The interim CEO didn't speak to the you know, timeline for that, especially because that's out of his control. But it's yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, it's it's interesting. South Africa, like you said, it's a it's a big market and it's a big country. I I did a road trip through South Africa a couple of years ago and just remember driving from um, Port Elizabeth to Cape Town is a long way. Air travel makes so much sense yeah. in that country, and there's not good rail links between you know long distance rail links, I should say. So interesting to watch. Yeah, definitely interesting to watch. And, and meanwhile, um, regional carrier Mango is also on the receiving end of government bailouts and has downsized significantly. And as you mentioned, there are several new uh, airlines like Lyft and uh, was it Semlink, um, Airlink, I believe. And wasn't Airlink around before? Uh, I... Yes, it was. But uh, Emirates recently had a uh, an agreement with them, and uh, there's another one that the Emirates had an agreement with recently. Which... Yeah, Emirates just signed a rate with Semair, Semair, which is sort of a, a regional airline in South Africa, but they also have a partnership with uh, Qatar Airways. Right. You know, it, it's inter- It's what I'm. What we're seeing is a lot of these large airlines flying into South Africa are finding new partners to, to complement their network to get people around South Africa, you know, versus the old standby of SAA. Yeah. I mean, because they haven't been there for the last 18 months and people still want to go to South Africa. On the U.S. side, I mean, look, United launched Newark Joburg after SAA suspended operations. And that, you know, New York, I, I, I've heard multiple say that that was in part because uh, SAA dropped out of the New York Joburg market and it was an unserved a massive unserved market. United saw an opportunity. So, yeah. 
Interesting. Now, I mean, something we should address in a future podcast is Nigeria, just to the north. I mean, Nigeria is a wealthy, resource-rich country with a, a large emerging middle class and is also geographically vast, but really has poor air connectivity. And over the years, it's always been sort of, and you and I know this, we've joked about it, it's always been sort of the next big thing in, air, in airlines. I mean, the Virgin Group considered expanding there. I mean, uh, se several carriers are always being mooted, um, but nothing seems to gain traction. So that's that's yeah. a discussion for another day, but something we should I always about. laugh because like you said, it's always the next big country, but I've never actually seen any any airline succeed in, in launching uh, in Nigeria you know, in the past decade plus. So it's uh, there's a lot of issues at stake, a lot of you know potential, but a lot of issues that need to be worked through for, for success, successful airlines. So, Absolutely. Both yeah. are true. A lot of potential, a lot of issues. All right. Let's take a little break here, Ned. And we're back. Maduni Christian, the editor of Airline Weekly, and Ned Russell, the uh, senior senior airline reporter for Airline Weekly and Skip. Uh, so, Ned, let's uh, let's let's turn now to um, another a couple of other uh, non-U.S. carriers. Uh, Aeroflot just reported its first half earnings, and it's always an interesting airline or airline group to me because. Uh, I mean, it's once again, like we were saying, has a, a, a vast, <laughs> vast home market. I mean, what twelve time zones uh, in its home market, and um, uh, but it's it's kind of opaque. So tell us what you learned. Absolutely. Well, so uh, it was interesting listening to Aeroflot's earnings. Uh, the, the senior management spoke. But uh, they really were championing the domestic recovery there. Uh, passenger traffic has exceeded 2019 levels uh, this year uh, during the second quarter. And, and for most of the, the first six months of the year, and it really continues. Uh, they, the, the quote that they had was, was, you know, we are the world champion in the global domestic recovery. And it's, it's frankly true. I was looking yeah. at the Chinese big three recovery, and they're not even back to 2019 domestic traffic levels. Capacity, right. yes, but not traffic. And the U.S. isn't back. So Russia really is standing apart. Now, that wasn't now, enough. The, there's another little factoid, too. I mean, I no, remember no. earlier in the pa pandemic, I mean, Moscow's airport briefly became the world's busiest, dethroning both Heathrow and Atlanta. So uh, so the domestic recovery is underway. And once again, when you've got, you know, more than 10 time zones to cover, you, <laughs> there's really only one viable form of transportation. <laughs> well, I don't know. The Trans-Siberian Express. I mean, everyone can take the that train, That right? trundling <laughs> thing that takes, like, <laughs> that takes, what, 10 days to go from, from Vladivostok to Moscow? No, thank but you. But it's daily, Madhu. Yes, it is daily. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, I have a so, story about that. We can share some other time. <laughs> another time. Oh, I want to hear that. But yeah, so but the domestic recovery wasn't enough to to you know bring Aeroflot to profitability. They still lost money in the second quarter as a group. Right now, they did have a stand. Podeba, Podeba. Uh, how do you pronounce that? But anyway, once again, if you know, please email us at <laughs> mu at skiff .com and er skiff .com and Tell us how to pronounce. <laughs> That carrier. <laughs> Podeva is Aeroflot's budget subsidiary. and One of their budget going, subsidiaries, right? Well, Rosoya, they said, is their mid-market regional okay. subsidiary. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with one budget subsidiary for now. You know, they are going gangbusters. They added 10 737s, opened a new base at Moscow's um, Shiramatoyev Airport. 
during the first half of 2021, you know, their July traffic was up 46% year over two years, and they turned a profit in the second quarter. You know, the only part of the Aeroflot group that did. You know, that was a big standout for management when they were talking. You know, they really is this, this does, you know, low-cost point-to-point service in, in Russia is really booming at this point. And then they had a slide. It was cool showing, you know, regional airports in Russia and how much the growth has been on domestic traffic. Because Russians, like so many people everywhere else, are limited in their international uh, travel opportunities. So they're traveling more at home. And, you know, places like Sochi, Kaliningrad, are all seeing uh, you know significant upticks in air passengers uh, this even year? Even Kaliningrad, uh, yeah, Kaliningrad. I mean, it's on the Baltic, right? Yeah, but it's that little pocket of Russia that's not actually part of Russia. Yeah, so exactly. I surprised. Well, I guess there's no other way to get there without. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was interested in the increase in uh, Kamchatka, which is the peninsula over in the Pacific. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, not nearly as dramatic as the rest of Russia, probably because you have to fly through 12 time zones to get there. But still, even Kamchatka saw an increase in traffic uh, during the second quarter. Well, like you said, I mean, so, people in large countries like the U.S., China and Russia who can take holidays are taking them at home now and um, or more increasingly taking them at home. So that makes sense. Did, did Aeroflot mention anything about overflight? fees i mean what early in pandemic before the pandemic they made hundreds of millions of dollars from overflight fees the russian government did that was then sent over to aeroflot but uh one thing we reported on airline weekly is how that source of revenue collapsed when european carriers halt, pared back their um uh trans-siberian asia routes um so did aeroflot mention anything about that in their their call you know they did not. They mm-hmm. actually did not bring up era of, of overflight fees, maybe because it is such a small uh, revenue line at, right now at this point. Um, I mean, their international revenues were down dramatically during mm-hmm. the during the second quarter. Uh, but no, they didn't mention those overflight fees. So, well, Tovarish, let's uh, let's move on to. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's my little shout out to the Soviet Union. Um, but let's move on to uh, Norwegian. Um, something I covered recently. They Norwegian had its first earnings call in a year, and the first with its new CEO, Geir, Geir Carlson. Once again, if I'm mispronouncing that, please let me know at mu at skiff.com. So what did they say, Madhu? What did Norwegian uh, talk about? How are they doing? Uh, it's the new airline successful. Will they be flying transatlantic <laughs> again in short order like everyone else wants to? No. They were, uh, you know, Carlson was very firm about that. Now, you know, as we, we all know, like it's been a it's been a really tumultuous first half for Norwegian. I mean, the, the carrier in January said it was you know, completely scrapping its long haul ambitions. And and you remember, it wasn't that long ago that Norwegian was flying to Argentina and and Bangkok and had these you know subsidiaries all over the world and was like was reinventing um, uh, transatlantic travel Uh as Scott Kirby at United said, not not commercially viable, but they did a lot of damage. I mean, it, they were a disruptor. So in January, that that they said that was all gone and would not come back. They would focus on the the Nordics and short haul European routes. Got rid of their their seven eight sevens, many of which are now over at North Atlantic. <laughs> Latam is getting some too. And Latam's yeah. right. So those are gone. And, um, you know, they, they were an early adopter of the Max, and now the Maxes are leaving the fleet. They'll just have 737-800s. 
and also, you know, they emerged in May. They the company emerged from bank uh, Norway's equivalent of bankruptcy restructuring, and they're now on their third CEO in the span of eighteen months, from Bjorn Kios to Jacob Schramm to now Gear Carlson. So it's been a um, it's been a really uh, bumpy ride for Norwegian for the for the last little while. Now it's emerging from from the from its crisis is a much smaller, much, much, much less ambitious airline. Uh, but no, but do you think that all of the restructuring, the cuts, everything, are they going to survive? Will Norwegian be a going entity uh, in Europe? Um, that's remains to be seen. But remember, before it started flying all over the world, it was a pretty successful carrier in the Nordics. And once again, this, this is, you know, especially Norway, it's geographically very sort of long and, and, um, it, well, it's, it's a very long country, right? So, like, the north-south routes are quite long. Um, long, and it wraps around. I mean, you think about it, Finland doesn't actually tar- touch the Arctic Sea. It's uh, Norway. It's, its yeah. northern border is Norway. So, it's, yeah. Right. So, and, you know, connections between, among the, the Nordics are, uh, well, especially, you know, uh, sort of across the Baltic, it, 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 there's really no, you could take a ferry, but there's, you know, flying is the most viable option. So I, I think it does have a, 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 you know, a much smaller Norwegian has a, has potential on its home markets. Now, whether it can take on sort of the the Ryan airs and Wizz airs as it expands into Europe after the pandemic, I don't know. Um, so will it you, just you, be a Nordic airline? I don't know. <laughs> and one interesting thing that jumped out to me in your piece is they are looking to capitalize on their Gatwick slots. Now, was that about they hope to sell them or do they hope to start using those again? That remained unclear. And that was really interesting. Carlson made a point of saying they have a bunch of Gatwick slots, legacy of when, you know, when they base their long haul um, operations from that airport in London. Um, and these are valuable assets that uh, they, they plan to hang on to, whether to actually use for sort of leisure routes between the Nordics and um, and, and Europe, or whether they plan to sell them remained unclear. Uh, my, now, my guess is they will probably sell some and hold on to some. Yeah. Now, is there a slot waiver in effect for, for Gatwick until the summer 2022 season? <laughs> Do we know? I know in the U.S. we've seen a lot of airlines start to schedule some of their slots beginning this fall because use it, lose it slot rules go back into effect. But I, I'm curious if I wonder if Europe has has put in a waiver through the summer 2022 season, which will well, give the region more time. To- there is a slot waiver in effect. I don't know off the top of my head how long that lasts. So, yeah. Um, you know, in Norwegian, its its planning window is sort of the first quarter of 2022. That's that's sort of as far as Carlson said, um, made any predictions. And he thinks, you know, so right now the carrier has downsized, has rift 6,000 employees over the course of its bankruptcy, has 3,000 employees remaining, about a quarter of which are still furloughed. So um, it's a much smaller company. And, you know, he said the company expects to bring back those employees by the end of October. Um, he said most, a lot of them are in Spain. So that suggests that Spain routes will start up again. Um, I mean, I, would you, if I was an airline based in Norway, I would be wanting to fly to Spain. In winter, that's for <laughs> right. sure. So. <laughs> right. And, but you know, especially the fall. So, so the booking curve is, is 
um, shortening, which he said is good news. September bookings look really good. But one thing that he said that was, I thought, really interesting is that Nor- Norwegian, like South African, has gone as negotiated power by the hour um, deals with its lessors. Uh, so it only flies air, yeah, you know, pays for aircraft when they fly. Um, it has, out of its 50 remaining aircraft, um, 40 are in operation now, which is up from 10 at the start of this year. But Carlson said something interesting. He said, you know, in the past, Norwegian has not been very good about uh, about uh, downsizing its its route network and its capacity during the winter, which is a very slow period in the Nordics. Uh, and this winter, the carrier plans to be very aggressive, he said, about uh, about uh, pulling capacity out of the system. He said they'll probably fly more aircraft, which I thought was interesting, but less than before. So the capacity will be lower, but they'll have more routes to sort of Give provide provide connectivity during the holiday period, I suppose, and probably also to provide you know escapes from the long dark winter to Spain. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but you know, Ned, it's to go back to your earlier question. It is an interesting time in the Nordics. So we Norwegians reemerging as this sort of Scandinavian carrier, right? Scandinavian and Finland, um, but there are um, new startups, right? You've written about right. play. Uh, in Iceland, uh, which and is, isn't there a flyer, uh, FLYR, Flyer, Flyer, right? Yeah, Flyer. yeah, Flyer. exactly. That's starting up. Wizz Air has been aggressive in in the Nordics, as has. Well, Wizz Air just pulled back in. Um, they dropped their Norway. I, I believe they dropped their Norway ambitions. Um, when they when they took shifted their focus to Italy. Italy. Okay, sorry, but but there are European low cost carriers, Ryanair. I mean, they're. they're it, it's a different landscape than when Norwegian was a, you know, back when Norwegian was just a Nordic carrier. So right. whether, whether this is viable or not, I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone not. knows. We're all watching. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> several of its uh, former leaders have run across the street or whatever in Oslo to North Atlantic, which is planning to, um, to take up the mantle of long haul, low cost long haul, as is something you covered last week when I was out on um, play, right? Right. Play Airlines in, in Iceland. They're, uh, they are an Icelandic startup, essentially started by a bunch of former Wow Air staff. And we all remember oh. Wow with their short, but, you know. Do you sense a theme here? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wow collapsed in 2019. So before the pandemic. Uh, the startup took several years, but they, they began flying in June, and now they've filed for U.S. authority to begin flights to several East Coast points. It didn't specify uh, for the summer 2022 season. Uh, so it's uh, yeah, it's interesting that they, they see the opportunity to make this work, even though WOW couldn't make it work. Yeah. You know, even and in their business plan, uh, Play's business plan. They talked about how you know they rely on high load factors and everything. It's it, they didn't make a very you know they they didn't make a very um, strong case for how they're going to generate those high load factors through the uh, winter, which is of course quite cold in Iceland. So right. and is is a slow time in general across the transatlantic. So it's uh, it's interesting that they seem to think, but. They're, uh, they've raised capital and they're flying. So yeah. investors are willing to put money towards it. And North Atlantic just recently scaled back or pushed back. It's, it, was, it also was planning to start its long haul, um, low cost long haul flights across the Atlantic in December, which, as we've all commented, um, that's seemed kind of, that was kind of puzzling. <laughs> 
right. but uh, they've since pushed back. They have their 15 787s. They pushed back their start to, I believe, next spring. Wow. So, yeah. We'll so, see. I summer, mean, yeah. Now it's just, it's, it's interesting. We've got, so WoW went away. Norwegian has, has scaled back. And now we have, uh, it's like mushrooms after the summer rain. We have, uh, we have play and and North Atlantic, so it's a it's a really vastly different uh, um, airline landscape in the Nordics, and um, all remains to be seen. It really is, and it's just it's it's funny that there's this repeated emphasis on I think you know investors seeing opportunity when you know how these new carriers are so different from their predecessors. Well, they aren't they're the, the, the former carriers that collapse that they have managed, they share management from, you know, it really, I, I have a hard time seeing how they can make it work uh, second time around, but we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. All will be revealed next summer. All right, Ned, let's leave it there. So once again, Ned, thanks for joining me. It's your job. Uh, always a pleasure, Madhu. Happy to be here. Uh, and to our listeners, if you have any feedback for us, you can reach me at mu at skift.com. You can reach Ned at er at skift.com. Thanks for joining us and uh, check us out, airlineweekly.com. And you issue of the weekly drops every Monday. We come back from our hiatus on Tuesday, September 7th. And um, we update the site throughout the week. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge podcast. Should you have comments or questions, drop editor Madhu Unikrishnan a note at mu at skiff.com. Of course, check out airlineweekly.com for a new issue every Monday and updates on the latest airline news throughout the week.